clapping myself. I need that. You need encouragement as a preacher. You need your microphone to clap you. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah, as Dave said, it's a great privilege this morning to be preaching uh, my last sermon here um, at Sovereign Grace as a member of the church. My first sermon was in January 2014, and, and now we're here five, or five and a half excuse me, years later. And Dave said, you know, what is one thing that you kind of want to leave, a message you want to leave with the church, really something that you've learned from being at Sovereign Grace uh, and something you'd love to encourage and provoke within them before you leave. And, you know, instantly so many things are coming to mind because for, you know, my wife, Maddie, and our kids, our lives have changed being here under the preaching of the word, under the leadership of our amazing pastors. And so it's like, oh, what, you know, which one do I choose? Do I choose, you know, living a life where you're identifying evidences of grace? Or do I choose gospel centrality in everything we say and do? Gospel centered parenting or gospel centered marriage? That's how our life has been changed. Do we, do I preach on leadership and just how much I've learned about the role of leadership and how beautiful it is? Do I preach on the centrality of the local church and how if you build your life around the local church, you're a part of what God is doing in the world? There were so many things, grace, just it was like, oh man, what do I choose? But as I prayed and waited on the Lord, I had a sense of one thing that I think will serve us well this morning. Uh, to introduce that, I want to take you back to December 2012 when my wife uh, Maddie and I first came to the church. Uh, it was around December 12 in 2012. She was 38 weeks pregnant uh, and we came into a joyful, bustling, vibrant church, dynamic in Normanhurst Boys High School and we were very excited. We, we knew about Sovereign Grace from um, the preaching ministry of CJ Mahaney and, and, and online. So when we joined, we, we were just like, this is great, we've, when it, we've hit home. Uh, but we weren't quite aware then just how great it would be and how joyful and glad everyone was. Um, a couple of weeks later, we had our firstborn, Evie, and we, we hardly knew anyone in the church because we'd been around, what, four weeks by that point. And a day after, you know, getting home, there's a knock on the door and there's Michelle Wood. Where is she here? There she is. Michelle, I don't know if you remember this, but Michelle Wood came with a big Coles or Aldi bag or something like that. And in it was a meal, a fresh meal with breakfast for tomorrow, a loaf of bread, juice and a beer. And I was like, whoa, now this is my kind of church. This is... Now, I, I'd never, I don't think we'd met Michelle at, at all at this point. In fact, she just got into the country a couple of months beforehand, but there was this disposition and desire to serve someone new and make them feel welcome. And the joy in which she did it, and then we found out we were on a roster, and so we were getting meals every two nights or something like that for two weeks, and no one even knew us. I was getting text messages from Ollie Pierce, and he was like, I'm going to make you a casserole. I thought, that's a bit odd for a single man to be making casseroles, but awesome, that's fine. Um, and it didn't start with the meals, it was just moment after moment of people joyfully serving. We found a church where people were on the roster and happy. I was like, what? What is this? You know, people were turning up early and excited to be doing what they were doing. Whether they were on kids or the bookshop or coffee, uh, whether it was in life group and people are generously giving away their money, time and effort to serve. Gospel community leaders giving away their homes and their lives to serve other people. The pastors, their families, the kids of the pastors, the way that they were joyfully serving. And it had a great effect on us because it showed us not just the level at which we can sacrificially serve in the church, but the attitude in which you can do it. There was a certain gladness in singing, a certain gladness in the receiving of the preached word, and a gladness 
in serving. And that's our topic for this morning. So what is one thing that I've learned from Sovereign Grace Sydney that I would love to encourage and provoke us in before I leave? And it's this. Psalm 100 verse 2. That's our text for this morning. Psalm 100 verse 2. Very simple. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. I think this is one area in which we excel as a church. It's distinctive to our church. It's not unique to our church, but it is distinctive of our church. We are a church which serves the Lord with gladness. And so the tone of this message is not rebuke. It's not, you know, get better before I leave. It's, I want to encourage you, keep going. And for those of you who are like, I'm not sure this really identifies me. I'm actually a bit grumpy every Sunday when I'm on or, or at home when I'm serving. I just don't feel like I'm glad. May this sermon provoke you and inspire you to what God has for you. So would you join me in prayer? Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom and that we get to serve you. May you bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I realize I actually don't have my notes. Maybe can I have the ones from up the back? No, I've got the ones from up the back. I'll swap. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. There we go. iPad preaching. Now I'm a millennial preacher. I can preach like this. I can, you know, I can sit, maybe I can have a stool and then I can have a cup. Oh, I got a cup of tea. I can do that. All right. <laughs> Serving the Lord with gladness is our topic for today. Three points, very simple, one verse, but we're going to go in a whole bunch of different places in scripture, a topical sermon um, to encourage us and provoke us. Point number one, our calling to glad service. So although this is something that I think we do really well in, I wanted to spend the first point really trying to encourage us from the scriptures, how do we arrive at this as a church? Where, what is our calling to glad service? Is glad service, and I know we don't use that word glad anymore, but I can't, it's in the scripture all the time, I really like it, serve the Lord with gladness. Is our calling to glad service just something that's sovereign gracey, you know, inherited from our cheesy American brothers overseas, or is it something more? There we go, swapped out. I'm not millennial anymore. I'm back to the old. Is it something that was just cheesy from America or is it something that's biblical? So where do we find in the Bible that we're called to glad service? Is there more than just one verse on it? Well, I want to begin by kind of unpacking what it means to serve the Lord just very quickly and then look at with gladness in this first point. Let's read Mark 10, 43 to 45. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It's really undeniable that we as Christians are called to serve. It's our calling. It's it's our identity. We're servants. Jesus says that. And it's modeled by him in his own life. We can't get around it as Christians. It's very clear that we are called to serve. It's modeled by him, it's motivated by him. 
But when we go about trying to follow Jesus' footsteps, he came not to be served, but to serve, and he calls us to follow in his steps to serve. We can find that maybe we start off okay, it's exciting when you first become a believer, you're like, oh, I want to do this, but then over time, it's possible that we can lose our perspective. We can lose the wonder and the joy and the delight that it is to serve. And why is that? Because serving's hard. (laughs) Serving's serving. Serving is putting other people's needs first. It's sacrificing yourself for the good of others. And so we shouldn't be surprised if, when it comes to serving, we wake up some Sunday mornings and go, oh, I'm on. No! (laughs) Because that's our natural human reaction. Serving is difficult. Serving is sacrificial. Serving is what we're called to, but it is hard. And it's easy that we can get into this pattern of like, we think, oh, I've got to serve this week. And so we wake up and we get there early and we come to church and we serve and, you know, we kind of feel a bit reluctant, a bit frustrated by it. And then we get home and we think, well, I did it. I served. I glorified God by serving. But is that what Jesus really intended for us in our serving? The reality is, is it's actually very possible to give your entire life away to serving God in a way that displeases him. It's entirely possible that you can serve with all your energy, time, money, and effort and do it in a way that is vain and not pleasing to the Lord. Jesus says this to the religious leaders. See, the religious leaders in his time were serving with all their energy. They were on every roster. (laughs) They were fasting, praying, giving, abstaining from all forms of evil. They were teaching. They wore all the right clothes. They did all the right things. They looked like they were great servants, serving the Lord. That's what they did. And then Jesus said this of them, Matthew 15. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, Jesus is making it clear here that it's entirely possible to serve your whole life away in a way that is wasted service. Vain service. You see, Christian service isn't just mere service. We don't just do it. It's not like Islam, where you turn up five times a day, you face the right direction, you say your prayers, and you don't have to feel it. You just do it, and the act of doing it is good and honourable and virtuous. Christianity, it's not like that. Christian service has a flavour. Christian service has a motivation. It has a distinctive nature about it. And the main point that I want to kind of help you memorise for today is this. Christian service is glad service. Let's return to Psalm 100, verse 2. We're seeing we're called to serve the Lord, but we're called to serve the Lord with gladness. We see in this that we're given an action. Okay, yes, we are to serve the Lord, but we're given a manner about which we're meant to do it. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. That's our attitude. And this changes everything. This changes our serving from being wasted and vain. Wouldn't it be horrible to give your whole life away in serving, thinking you're pleasing the Lord, thinking you're doing the right thing, and then on the last day, the Lord God says to you, in vain did you worship me. Your heart was far from me. Well, how do we avoid 
that reality? Well, that's what this sermon is all about. How do we serve the Lord with gladness? And why does that matter? Why does serving the Lord need to be done with gladness? Why can't we just do it? Well, before we answer that question, I wanted to show you a few other texts in Scripture which illustrate and kind of paint out the canvas a little bit more because I've only given you, like, what's serve the Lord with gladness. Five words. I'm going to give you a few more examples in Scripture of where we see this and then we'll explain why it really matters. We see in Psalm 84.10 that there's gladness in going to worship. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. There's a certain anticipation and gladness about meeting with God's people, serving the Lord by going to temple in the Old Testament. There's gladness in obedience. If you look in John chapter 15, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See the link between serving the Lord, obedience, and gladness. They're not mutually exclusive. Serving doesn't have to be joyless. In fact, serving must be joyful. Philippians 2 says it in the negative. Paul says to the Philippian Christians, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's a good verse for parenting. (laughs) I use that all the time with the kids. We're going to do this without grumbling or complaining. And they're like, yes, Dad. But it's helpful. It shows us in the negative what we aren't meant to do. We're not meant to be doing in grumbling. There's even gladness in suffering and persecution. See, one way we serve the Lord is by standing for the Lord. And then we receive suffering and persecution as a result. 1 Peter 4 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Even upon suffering, physical pain, punishment and death, there's this expectation of joy and gladness. It's so strange, it's so odd. You can't separate Christian service from its attitude, its gladness. You even see it in Jesus, Hebrews 12 too. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, at the throne of God, rather. Even Jesus, looking toward Calvary, where he would take our sin, looked ahead in joy, in a certain gladness, not a fake, cheesy, smiling gladness, but a joy knowing he was obeying the Father's will, knowing what he was going to accomplish through it. And finally, there's even in Scripture a gladness in giving of our money, 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All throughout Scripture, the model, the example, and the commands of our service to God and our worship of God is glad service. 
Christian service is glad service. So why does it matter? Why is, why is it like this? Why is Christianity like this? Why is Jesus' way like this? Why is it a joyful service? Well, here is my answer. It is the gladness of our service which honours God and glorifies him, not the mere act of serving. It's the gladness of your service to God that actually brings glory and honour to him, not the mere act of doing it. You don't, he doesn't need you to do things for him. But it's when you say, you are worth all my energy, all my time, all my affection. I just love you. What else can I do for you? That honors and glorifies him because it shows and it demonstrates that he is your highest treasure. It's the joy and gladness in your serving that actually gives honor and glory to God. Contrast it to this. Serve the Lord with grumbling. <laughs> Doesn't work. Serve the Lord with discontentment. Not so honoring to him. Serve the Lord with disinterest. Just doing it. Serve the Lord with reluctance. Doesn't work. Serve the Lord because you have to. You rostered on. Do it. Serve the Lord because if you don't do it, no one else will. If you compare serve the Lord with gladness to those other options, you can kind of see why it matters. The gladness says you are worthy of everything I have. It is a privilege to give up my time, effort, and energies in service of you. In fact, I, don't, I haven't got to do this. I get to do this. I get to be on kids this week. I, I get to serve my family. I get to give. Where's my wallet? I get to do it. When you are filled with the love and joy of Christ because of what he's done for you, it transforms your service from mere duty to full of delight. And that delight says, God, you are the most important, most valuable, most beautiful thing in all the earth. How could I not give everything to you? And that glorifies him. Imagine it's your anniversary. or Like, this actually is a real, like, account of my anniversaries. I... <laughs> Okay, so 22nd of January, we got married, and I don't know, I just, I'm not a good gift giver, I'm not a good planner, and so I get anxious about anniversary time because I think, oh man, I've got to get it right, I've got to do it well, I want Maddie to be blessed, I want, okay, we're gonna, where are we going to go, how are we going to get kids, and what presents should I buy, and I get freaked out because I'm, like, I'm, I'm not going to do it right, I'm going to ruin the day, it's going to be terrible, and so I spend the whole like time making it horrible because I'm so anxious about getting it right and doing it and I lose sight of, I just love you and I just want to spend time with you and I want to bless you and I make the whole day about getting it right. But say I did get it right and um, Maddie comes to me and she says, that was the most lovely dinner, the most beautiful present, that was the most great day and I reply and say, it was my duty. <laughs> I had to. It's the 22nd of January. I was rostered on. <laughs> it doesn't work. It, it strips all the value of the serving. It strips all the value of it because it says, I'm only doing this because I had to, not because I want to. Christian service is glad service in reflection of how our great king. And this extends into every arena of life. It's not just church. It's home with your cleaning <laughs> 
and your cooking and your child raising and your lawn maintenance. You can do all those things as glad service to the Lord. At work with your colleagues, with deadlines and difficult bosses. At school with your friends, in your wider families. All arenas of life are opportunities for glad service to God that honours and glorifies Him. Not just church, though church is included. Christian service, my friends, is more than mere service. It's glad service. It's not the act alone of serving which glorifies God, it's the attitude that accompanies it. That says to Him, you are worthy. And even though this is an area, an arena in our church in which I think we excel, let's be real, it doesn't come automatically and it doesn't come necessarily easily all the time. And in fact, you can start off well in this and then lose your way at times or in different circumstances. For example, let me take you to 3am in the spring household this week as I've been preparing message on cheerful service unto the Lord, I was presented with a great opportunity to practice what I preach at 3am when my daughter kept on waking up and needing me to settle her because she was sick and feeling unwell. And the first time, okay, I love you, darling. Second time, I love you, darling. Third time, I was ready to have an adult tantrum. And Maddie just called out from the bed, do it joyfully. And I was like, oh. (laughs) No! But it was helpful because I was preaching on it this week. I was able to remind myself, this is a moment where I can serve the Lord cheerfully and gladly because this is a privilege to serve my daughter right now, even though there's nothing in my body which wants to do it. So how do we get to a point, other than having our friends and people spur us on, how do we get to a point where we can actually be motivated to be glad servants? Well, It ain't automatic to anyone except for the grace of God. And so we need to retrain our minds. And that's point number two, our motivation for glad service. So point one, our calling to glad service. It's in scripture. It's the model. It's what glorifies Lord. Point number two, our motivation. How do we graduate from I got to do this to I get to do this? How do we get there? Um, I think... I thought of a whole bunch of different motivations from Scripture that will help us. Um, but I want to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to kind of frame it and put it in perspective. So go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 with me very briefly. Because changing your heart doesn't come easily or naturally or automatically. You need a lot of help by the grace of God. So this is how Paul motivates the Roman Christians to serve him with all their life and all their being. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your spiritual service. So Paul now is commanding the Romans. He's like, I'm going to say, give your whole life away in service to God. Every single part of it. There's nothing left. There's no secret corner of your life where you're not going to serve God in. It's give everything away. You're up on the altar and sacrificing everything. But before he tells them to do that, he reminds them of what's already been done for them. If you notice, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. If you're an unbeliever here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus or you've been following religion, this is great news for you. 
Because our default set as humans, isn't it, is to think, I've got to do things to please God. I've got to do this, and if I do enough of this, maybe God will say, we're sweet at the end of the day. But the reality of the Christian message is that you can never do enough for God to be pleased with you. You just can't. And so although we're talking a lot today about things we ought to do, you can't do enough of that to please God unless he's done something for you first. And that's why Paul says in verse 1 there, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Because he's just for 11 chapters in this book. If you've never read it, go and read it. It'll blow your mind. He's been telling them about God's mercy to them through Jesus Christ, that Jesus has done it all, as we've already said today. So don't think that Christianity is all about serving God and that'll please him. No, the serving God and pleasing him comes after you put your faith in the one who served you, Jesus Christ. And that liberates you from this cycle of up and down. Am I good enough? Not good enough. Am I good enough? Not good enough. I had a bad week, good week. Liberates you from that. You're in by the grace of God. And now you can serve as a living sacrifice in a way that pleases him. So how do you get to that, like changing your motivation bit? Well, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to not be conformed to our natural selves, but be transformed by the changing of our mind. Our natural mind, our natural world says, don't do it. Do what you want to do. If it pleases you, do it. But we need to change our mind and change our perspective so that we can see the world God's way. Because our natural self lies to us and the world lies to us, thinking that if we just serve ourselves and build into ourselves, we'll be happy and fulfilled. But it never seems to work. If you've tried it, you'll know. So that's why Paul says in verse 2, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And when your mind is renewed, you see it in a totally different way. So I'm going to give a bunch of reasons from Scripture, a bunch of motivations from Scripture that may help you to talk to yourself differently about serving to kind of baptize your mind so that you can be encouraged and provoked again. Yes, this is such a privilege. Six reasons to transform your mind so that you can serve with gladness. Number one, understand this. You are serving God. You are serving God. No matter what arena or area of your life in which you are completing actions, all of them are service to your God. Paul says it in Colossians 3 like this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Having this perspective transforms our serving because you can know whenever you're cleaning or serving or working hard or doing things in your life, wherever you're at, you're actually serving the Lord Jesus Christ when you do it ultimately for him. It elevates every mundane, menial element of our life and actually brings it up into the divine. Every element is an opportunity to serve him gladly and no area of our life is outside of our call for glad service too. So we need to change our mind. Number one, we're serving God. Number two, 
Understand that you are serving the blood-bought people of God. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The reality is that when you serve another Christian, it's easy to lose sight of the actual eternal thing that's happening when you serve another Christian. When you serve another Christian, you are serving someone that God in eternity looked down through time and said, I want to choose Simon Walker and I'm going to send my son and I'm going to slay my son for him that I might spend eternity with him. And I'm going to give him my Holy Spirit and I'm going to fill him with my Holy Spirit and he's going to be my beloved son. And then you get the privilege of hanging out with him whom God loves and serving him. And that applies to every single believer in this room. It's so easy to lose sight of that when we're doing our various roles of serving. But when you remember, I'm serving someone that God decided to purchase from hell and bring into new life. It transforms it. Because then you think, well, no one is beneath me. No task is beneath me. If it's for one of the children of the king, then this is my privilege and distinct privilege. Because Jesus considered it so worthy to die for them. How could I not see it in the same way? Number three, understand that you are not even worthy to be a servant. It's easy to become entitled or expectant of our Christian position, but we shouldn't even be at the table. We're rebels of a king. We rebelled against him in thought, word, and deed. We're sinners. Yet, through Christ... He brings us into the castle, gives us new robes and allows us to be doorkeepers, allows us to be servants, allows us to have a part to play. We're not worthy of that. No one is above serving in the church. In fact, any role you get to serve in in this church is well above your pay grade. You're not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. We should be pitching ourselves thinking, I can't believe I get to be on bookshop. This is a scandal. This is not right. I should not be standing here giving people literature about my Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. I do not deserve this, but I'm glad to do it. If you baptise your mind with that kind of thinking, it will transform your service into glad service. Number four, understand that your power to serve does not come from yourself. This is very, very, very important. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you feel lacking, when you feel like, I can't do this again, in your home, in your work, in your family, in your friends, in your relationships, when you serve... Serve by the strength that God supplies. Turn again to the fountain of grace and call upon him to fill you with his spirit that you may do it, and not just do it, but do it with a glad and joyful heart. Never try and do it on your own. If you work in your flesh to serve the church, serve your family, serve your friends, you will end up reaping death and destruction. Maybe like you know, eternally, but you'll reap bad fruit. That's probably a little bit extreme. But you'll reap bad fruit, you will. 
But when you serve with the strength that God supplies, what's the result? God is glorified through Jesus Christ. Number five, understand that you have been served. Transform your mind by remembering, actually, when I don't feel like serving, how many people in this room have served me? Think of the chairs you're sitting on. There's only about three or four people in this room that actually put them there. Yet you get to sit on it. The coffee you drank, the booklet you got when you came in, the music that we heard, the kids' work. There's so many ways in which we have been served. Others have done what Philippians 2 verse 3 says, have considered you more significant than themselves. They've looked not only to their own interests, but to the interests of others, and they put you first. They took their time, their money, their energy, and put you first. And when you remember that and you transform your mind to being, oh, I've been so served, the result of that is not just gladness, it's gratitude. And the appropriate response is to be thankful. And one of the things I love about this church is that wherever you go, you get thanked by people for doing menial tasks. I remember when I first came here, I was... I came from a church where I was serving in um, like every capacity, youth and running the service and preaching and things like that. And it's just what we did. And there was only a few of us that did it and we got it done. And then I came here and I, I kind of, there, there wasn't much need. And so I was on the serving setup team and I was moving these big barricade petition things. And it's like every three steps, someone was like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for serving us this morning. I'm like, I'm just doing my job. But because there was such a humble attitude, people realized that they weren't worthy of being served, it led them to be grateful and to thank others for the task that they did to serve. And I love that about this church, and I would love to see that continue and continue and continue, that we never take for granted the way other people serve us. We never take for granted the grace of God that's in their life that caused them to serve you, and that we should always have the chorus of thanksgiving for every act of service in this church. And number six, final, transform your mind to understand this. Jesus served you. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we've concluded this, that one, that is Jesus, has died for all. Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, before you get too caught up on all your serving and all that you've got to do, remember what he has already done for you. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He left heaven's throne and became a servant here on earth. He was slain in your place for your sin. Let that always be your deepest and highest motivation. Gratitude to your kind king who stooped so low as to serve you and to serve me. So we're called to glad service. But we don't do it naturally. It doesn't happen automatically. We have to transform our minds. And I think those six things will help you. Maybe one or two of them or all six of them will help you to actually elevate your eyes and think, oh, This is not just serving right now. This is an opportunity. And that leads us to point number three, our opportunity for glad service. Though there are many areas 
where we have the opportunity to serve the Lord with gladness. There is one great area, and I believe that is the local church. The planting and strengthening of local churches around the world is the great thing that God is doing in the world. If you want to know what God is doing, for sure, he's building his church. Through small, little, most of the time, small, little, faithful churches, boldly proclaiming the word of God and trying to teach people and trying to figure out how to love each other. That's what God is doing in the world. And so the local church is is the place where we gather as the ones that Jesus died for. And so one of the greatest opportunities we have to serve is here, in this place, with the people that you know, that you've committed to being with, whom Jesus died for. And Sovereign Grace Church, we have a unique opportunity before us in the coming years or months and years. We're about to split from being one united church into two united churches. And it's going to take a whole lot of glad service to make Parramatta happen. But my friends here at Warunga, it's going to take a whole lot of glad service to continue the incredible and faithful work that is happening here. It's going to take a whole lot of glad servants raising up and saying, I'll do it. It's going to take a whole lot of glad servants transforming their mind and realizing I need to build my life around my local church and give myself away to what God is doing in the world in order that more people might come to know him. We have a great opportunity before us, church, don't we? We have an opportunity to make something great happen in the world aligned with God's purposes. We have an opportunity to glorify him by serving him with gladness. And we're all going to have to step up. We're all going to have to rise to the challenge. And we're all going to have to do it by his power. And if we do, there will be great joy and great gladness. I want to say a final word to those of us in the room who are feeling like, oh man, I, I just wish I could serve more. I, I, but you're sick with long-term illness. You seem to have recurrent problems. You seem to be in a circumstance maybe with young kids or a different stage of life where you feel like, I just, I just can't serve in the way that I want to. But let me say this to you. It's not the quantity of your service which pleases the Lord. It's, it's the quality. You see, Jesus was pleased with the widow who gave all that she had, even though it was only two small copper coins. But she did it with a glad and cheerful heart. And if you're in a season where you feel like, I just wish I could give more, I wish I could change my circumstance, I wish something was different and I could serve more and do more so that I could make more things happen, know this, that your heart and your desire to serve the Lord is what glorifies him more than even the acts of doing it. And sometimes the hardest way to serve is to watch other people do it with a glad and content heart. It takes incredible power of the Holy Spirit to look on and not able to be involved, but to still be cheerful and glad that other people get to play their part. And so if you're in a season where you feel like, I want to do this, but I can't, know that you can still serve the Lord with gladness, even from the back bench. Because it's about your heart and your disposition not about the quantity of your output. Sovereign Grace Church, thank you for how you have taught me and modeled me 
and my family how to serve the Lord sacrificially, dutifully, consistently, and to do it with gladness. May we continue for all the days that the Lord would give us as a church to serve him in such a way. May we know as we rise up as a church that we do it for him. We're serving God. We're serving blood-bought children. We're not even worthy to be doing that serving. Our only power is to do it by the power that he supplies, that we've been served by one another, and ultimately we've been served most wonderfully and beautifully by our Lord Jesus Christ. Some Grace Church, serve the Lord with gladness. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we get to do this. You're so kind to us, far beyond we deserve. God, I pray and ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would continue to refresh us, enliven us, transform our minds, renew our hearts and spirits, that we may be cheerful, joyful, and glad servants of you. Lord, may we take up our crosses, deny ourselves, and give everything away. And may we gain the kingdom that is to come. And may we count it all joy. In Jesus' name, amen.